This episode is brought to you by Toshi Rambo. Are you tired of having to hide in the shadows? Don't spend your life skulking in alleyways and sheltering behind masks. Visit Toshi Rambo and learn to live life in the open. A week in the recently declared top tourist town of Rokugan will help you to keep your face up, not down. After leaving Toshi Rambo, you will be fresh and revitalized, as if a dozen years have been added to your life. Don't forget to use the promo code ROLLERS to get your first night of accommodation free. Toshi Rambo, live your best life. Listening tonight, I got a feeling that the cards just ain't right. I'm so salty, must not give in to rage, and I'm wondering what those rollers will say. Scarves to the left of me, cheers to the right. Here I am, gonna roll a derby tonight. Gonna roll a derby tonight. Gonna roll a derby tonight. Alright, g'day and welcome from Melbourne, Australia. This is Simkov and welcome to the Hidden City Roller Derby, episode 20-something. Not exactly sure we're up to. Um, how's it all going, everybody? Um, I'm joined here by my co-hosts. Uh, I've got a big crew tonight, which is good, since we missed an episode last week, which is pretty nasty. Uh, I think we've got uh, the mad Wizard of Oz, Merlin himself. How's it going? I'm doing alright, man. How are you? Great. We've got the legendary Toriadori. Man, I can't believe we're in the, in the 20s. This is fucking crazy. And and the the West Australian roller himself, Mr. Bud Nathan, you're back from the dead. Hello and welcome. I live and I'm alive. Kicking <laughs> it. Man, we missed an episode last week. Feels really bad. Is that um, the first time? Fair enough. Pretty sure we've done that before, bro. <laughs> nah, we got we've been three days late, but I've, we've never <laughs> missed an episode. It grates on me. Feels really three bad. days late, just yeah. like that Third Eye Blind song. Yeah, shit. We'll turn it. We'll turn it to Troll Five R soon enough. Uh oh. <laughs> they they have like two and a half episodes in their in their catalog, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. The fact that we don't know says something. <laughs> so i think like an incredible amount of stuff like lots and lots and lots of stuff in the Elfire world's happened since we last joined um i think we're at a fever pitch of previews and you know we've got the philadelphia cote starting tomorrow if you're like us and recording the hidden city rollers derby right now Madrid. I don't know if Madrid's tomorrow. No, tomorrow, tomorrow's Philadelphia. Philly. Oh. Philly, bro. Which is the right. PAX, PAX Unplugged? Is that right? Yeah, PAX Unplugged. It's just it's just cheesesteaks and cards, man. Does anybody know if there's a stream? Uh, no. No idea. We don't know. Oh. I did hear a rumor that Tome is getting shit canned, though, which is kind of interesting. They... But, yeah. They do but have apparently an app. The, the replacement is worse, yeah. They've got a <laughs> so, trial app, and... Um, people are, where you can submit your decks and it's had mixed reviews according to the philadelphia discord well at least the is, yeah. is there a philadelphia discord well there's a there's a discord channel on the global discord server called 
Grand Cote, Philadelphia, and it's had mixed reviews. I just don't understand why why they refuse to just adopt the best gold standard that everyone else around the world has been using for a whole, I don't know, since the game released. It's crazy. Like I don't I don't bother asking those questions anymore. It's like well, yeah, it's a weird yeah. one. <laughs> it oh, makes me sad, right? Like I, I feel like I'm I'm just depressing myself for no reason by asking that. There will be some marketing person behind it. No, you've got to brand your own stuff, you know, that kind of thing. Won't be anyone think, that actually is I think having attended worlds, I've figured out the answer. Tome is which is what FFG use at all their official tournaments. That's built by them it's coded by them and it's owned by them so i think that's why so they can make their little changes and they control it it's their data it's not relying on some nerd somewhere else so i think that's why they use tome um i think i think they is... don't want to accept the sunk costs of paying some poor you know entry-level coder to to make that thing for the last i don't know six months or a year or whatever it took him <laughs> that's what i think's happened that occurred to me right is like when I'm at Worlds, like the premier Elf R tournament that happens each year, like at the end of each round, when you're waiting for your new pairings, they get A4 pieces of paper that they print. And because like there's too many people, they're going to print like three pages and then there's two locations for like hundreds of players and you just wait. <coughs> oh, sneeze. That's awesome on a podcast. Um, <laughs> enjoy that enjoy that listeners you came here for lo-fi and we are delivering man that is pro broadcasting right there um yeah there's like hundreds of people just waiting forever to like get their little spot where they can see their name and figure out which table they're at and then you know of course there's all the like people who are the onlookers that are kind of just doing a looky-loo or they don't know how to look things up alphabetically like that's a skill that hasn't come to them and you know it takes forever and then you finally find out what you are and this is like a mad dash to the table and yet and you're stressed because the game takes a lot longer than the allotted time sometimes yeah and you gotta like sit down and put your tokens out and your bling and set your stuff up and they did give us like a few minutes in between which was good because because otherwise i mean it, it's pretty stressful yeah i agree but you know if you just have an app like all you really need for tome like the tome problems would be solved i don't know what it's like as a piece of software to use as the admin side but as a consumer if there was just a website or an app that just went here's your pairings people have yeah. phones these days like most l5r players i reckon i reckon 97 out of 100 l5r players have access to a phone with an internet connection right and you could just use that phone you could find your pairings and go sit down well that's how it's we did it possible. at the melbourne kotai and it worked perfectly like they did post pairings on uh big plasma screens but it wasn't really necessary because we had everyone had an app mm, lotus yeah. pavilion on there and also we had a wayne like to be fair like there's not a wayne in um you know minnesota you know funny thing about um minnesota and it's the midwest and i went to high school there for a few years and my mum's from the midwest not the same state but pretty close and even in high school there there were some things that seemed super old-fashioned to me like they're very traditional and Maybe that's just another thing. Like they like their pairings on on A4 bits of paper. I don't know. 
I don't want to throw throw too much shade on the organizers because it was pretty cool. But That's anybody awesome. that, for people that are wondering, uh, there was also a projector in the room, like a giant roof-mounted projector that didn't get used. I was going to say I don't remember the pairings being on that projector. No. But let's let's maybe shift and stop talking about how Tome sucks and you know the Lotus Pavilion for life, yo. Um, and talk about L5R, like the card game. Can we, you can guys we talk about much? how the new Kotai format sucks, or do we want to move on to like? <laughs> <laughs> we could absolutely know. talk about that. <laughs> so, you, so tell me about the new Kotai format, and tell me why it sucks, Mister Bert, Mister Toridori. Okay, well, let me just start by saying, I like changes year to year, like introducing changes to both the meta game in terms of playing the L5R and also the way it's organized and, and the structure, I think it's good to, to, to toss things up and change things around. It makes things, keeps things fresh. And I think that the idea was that it was going to be a more casual friendly type event where you can just run tickets. There's still two days, but they're both like, um, Swiss only, uh, events. So if you miss the cut, um, it's, it feels less bad or whatever. I think that just comp the, the, the the application for what they were, the problem they thought they were trying to solve just totally missed the mark because if I'm a casual player and I go to Melbourne Kotai say even if I drop round one the dream is still alive and I can look at myself and go I'm playing Unicorn I've only lost one game I can still make Hatamoto and even if I go 0-2 I can still do it with the new rule set as soon as you drop a game all you're doing is farming tickets like you're never going to be the winner of that event if you lose a single match in best of ones so I think it actually hurts casuals and and people who have intentions on winning them. So I don't yeah. like it for those reasons. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, regular Kotes, which just have one or more one-day events, there actually isn't necessarily a winner. Am There's I right no in thinking winner. that? There is no winner. Yeah. But there, so... there will be a distinct winner if they have... There's a range of participants, of a, of a number of participants that would give you one person who's undefeated. But there yeah, are, but there are the plenty winner. of. No Don't confuse well, the person who's undefeated with being the winner of the Kote. There is no prize for the winner of the Kote. There is merely, if you're undefeated, you become a Hatamoto. There's no Kote champion prize? Mm -mm. No. No Kote champion. That's just, I mean, that's shitting on the history of the game as well, because Kotais have been run since the 90s. Yeah. And I just feel like that's a huge, huge mistake. If you, if you get a G, like a great. Kotai. So if you happen to be in one of those cities that gets those like twenty people great Kotais, um Grand Kotai, <laughs> sorry. Like then you get a winner. So then you get to play a legit tournament. So this is why like I'm looking at the two thousand and nineteen Australian L five R calendar and I'm super looking forward to CanCon. Because CanCon's gonna get probably like forty <laughs> somewhere between forty to fifty people, I reckon. And it's run by a just KP who's a legend. And it's going to be a fantastic tournament. It's going to be well run. Um, it's going to be an absolute ball. And we're going to have some rounds. And then we're going to have like a cut. And there's going to be like a legitimate winner. And you're going to be able to like, if you, you know, like when I scrub out in top eight, because I you know, <laughs> play assassinate when I've got three on her, um, I get to like root for my friends. Like I get to barrack for my friends. And it's like, you know, because I think the thing about, Kotes, which is super fun, like all sporting events, right? When you're competing, you go, oh shit, 
I dropped in this round or I made top 16 good good on you but you get to like go oh well I've still got this friend or I've got a clan mate you know someone who's like representing the clan that I'm attached to and you can kind of pin your hopes on them and you've got like a dog in a race but like yeah. you know I there's feel like, like a, there's a story that you can follow you know yeah absolutely yeah. and I feel like there's no story in the new Kote format the story in the new Kote format is there a there are non-winners and winners well there's not really any winners right you've got Hadamotos and non-winners and I resent yeah, the term it's, non-winner it's, yeah it's like you get Hadamoto or you don't and that's it and actually on that particular point one of the things that I thought was unfortunate was that when the in order to get Hadamoto you have to have a what a five and one record something like that but it it has Six nothing deal. to do with has nothing to do with uh clan right no. it's not like you know all the hadamotos at one event could be from one clan because that clan is particularly strong at the moment i yeah. felt like that was a bit weird well there, so there will think... be no lion hadamoto for 2019 no, no. <laughs> i meant there is said before the deluge look, of cards of 2019 yeah, yeah look but, we're but talking about all of the no stupid stuff also means that there are no losers right either so no There's... one loses <laughs> nathan right there there are just it's a positive experience there are just non-winners. Yeah, you go, you go zero and six, and you're a winner. You're exactly. equally winning as the guy no, with five and one. At the moment, all these poor kids and, and players they rock up and then they they leave as losers, and that'll never happen again. <laughs> I know that's a, that's a really millennial thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> yep. I mean, yes, it is. I, I remember our Melbourne Cote, and you know, I've been to plenty of Cotes from the old game as well. Right? Is you know, there's some people who before they turn up. They know they're not in contention, right? They're but they're big fans of the of the the license, the IP, right? They're big fans of L five R. They love their clan. They're big unicorn clan and uh, fans, and maybe they wear purple or whatever, and or you know they're big lion fans, and you know whatever they happen to be, but they're fans of the clan, right? And they're dedicated to that thing. They're attached to it like a sports team, like you know. So those people, you know, they might support the West Coast Eagles, the greatest Australian Fools Rule Ball team that's ever existed. And and they just understand it and they get it, <laughs> right? But if there's no, like, outcome to it, I get what they're trying to do. So I'm going to try and... I'm gonna what, try what, are they, an what are they FF, trying to do? All right, I'm going to be an FFG apologist, right? So as an <laughs> FFG apologist, I'm going to find the best in what, what this fantastic company, who, to be fair have made so many games that I love and play a lot. Not only the LCGs, super fan of like the Battlestar Galactica board game. That is on point. And it's just lots of different board games they make as well. But anyway, as an apologist, what they're trying to do with the normal Kotes is turn them into a pep rally, right? Because you've got your prize wall and it's just, it's just a promo fest, right? So... You're not going to a Kote to play a competitive event. So, like, Kotes are no longer a competitive exercise, right? They're not about the hardcores, you know. They are about the foul casual, right? They're about the peak. What you're about is getting full arts. It's about just, like, putting on your clan colors, having a bit of fun, and, you know, that's it. It's just, like, it's basically a really great social event, right? And then the elemental challenges and championships is where the real deal is these days because they have legit winners and consequences and stuff just the Kotes have they've just for some reason removed the meaning from Kotes and attached that to the elemental 
championships. That's my it actually so, means a lot for us because we're Australian and we might not get a co-tie at all, but if we do get one, it certainly won't be a grand co-tie. And so for us, it's the only event that the vast majority of us can go to on the calendar. And mm-hmm. and that, that means that what the pinnacle, the highest level of FFG support we'll get is going to be a casual event. But, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think it actually uh, it pleases casuals. If I'm a casual person, I want to, yeah, like you said, cheer on my clan and witness the pageantry of the ceremony and, you know, top in clans. I, lo- I thought that was the best part about organized play this year. So I'm going to be sad to see that go. Well, I I certainly know that, um, you know, the Cote last year in Melbourne, right, is, you know, as as, as I was, I mean, I, I was playing Scorpion and I, and I did okay and I ended up getting the final. But, like, I had folk who were diehard Scorpions coming up to me and they were, like, you know, cheering me on and stuff. And I'm sure Glenn had the same and you probably had the same for the Lions. And it's like you're in it together. Right, and it was it was real fun. It's like a real community building exercise, and I think that there's, I think that in thinking in their in their line line of like what was going through FFG's mind, what I'm guessing is that they were trying to turn the Cote into like a pep rally, a community building event, but I think they've actually done a great disservice to the idea of community building because. I think a lot of the community building was rallying around your your friends who are playing the same clan. You might be from a different town, you're out of town, out of state, whatever else, and you know you go, oh hey, you play Lion Two, good luck, bro, and you're you're in there and you're helping them out and you're trying, you know, you're trying to, you know, you've got friends that you didn't have before. You know, I think it's a lot of fun, but you know, I mean, as an exercise though, if if they were to have changed. If you were just to swap the names between the elemental championships and the cotes, right, and have them yeah, that'd be great. Each one, how, how would you feel? So really, I mean, they've not ruined any tournaments or anything like that. They've just changed what they are, and so people are expecting one thing and not yep. getting what they expect. But the the appropriate events are still there, right? They can I, still do competitive events. You just need to. I totally agree, and but, but they don't award Hatamotos at the elemental stuff. Yeah, and I mean the, the premier title. Well. Let's take a step so the back. The casual right? event, the casual event births the the title, the highest level of title that you can win in L five R, apart from winning Gen Con or Worlds or whatever. So I, it doesn't make any. Yeah, it just doesn't uh, make sense. I guess though, you, you so that's where the role selections take place, right? Or the votes for roles and that co-tie yeah. elemental, whatever. Yeah, well, the elementals you get the the role selections, right? The elemental championships. You do. Mm, that's right. It's true. So yeah, I, right. I mean, for me at least, being able to choose a role and influence the game. I think would probably mean more than the the Hatamoto title. Is there some kind of title that comes with the the role selection, other than just no? But it is man? meaningful, as you said, right? Because being able to you know have an influence on which role gets selected next has a very you know it's it's very impactful, right? Yeah, I'd say even more so. I mean, like everybody at this point knows Eric. You know what I mean? Like everyone yeah. knows Shen like so if you're one of the people that are selecting those roles especially if that's your clan like admittedly i don't have any idea who selected the unicorn and lion roles because it's unicorn and lion right so but all of the others i could probably name like kingsley and all them like whereas you know name all the hatamotos they're not you're all irrelevant it doesn't matter so yeah i think that you're right like there's there's a couple of key events where you've got the glory and i think worlds is a special event 
Um, so, yeah, so just to be clear on the role selection stuff, at the uh, Elemental Championships, you, if you, like, I think if you go top of clan at that event, you get a vote. And I don't think that's quite the same as being able to choose the role as you would no. at Worlds. Yeah? No, no. But being able to put a vote in, there's not, like, there's a handful of people across the world who will get the opportunity to vote at that level, right? Yeah, so you can pick Seeker of Earth for, for Crab again. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me, but what's... <laughs> keep, keep Crab Earth. I'm afraid, I'm afraid it, it still doesn't excite me. It lets you use Kuniyori and Pathfinder's Blade. How is that not amazing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's not its not necessarily an individual achievement. I don't think, right? No, I don't you can either. say You can say, uh, yeah, I went, I went top of clan at this so... event, but it doesn't feel like... I, no, you're uh, right, yeah. yeah. What, Here's, what about I, the... I, is, what's the grand elemental champ? There's like a, a big elemental championship though, right? That does role selection. That that is the one that does the role selection, the championship. Yeah. The the challenge is a smaller event, which is sort of aimed at uh, what are they taught, uh, cons and things like that. Yeah. For some, okay. for yeah. some reason, that gotcha. one, I feel like that one has less prize support than the championship. So you could say that the championship is placed now above the Cote. Um, but again, for us in Australia, I don't really know what that means for us. I don't know who's going to get them or how many there are going to be. With the Cote, there's one. It's national. It's premier. Uh, with the elemental championships, it could turn out that there's like one per state. And, you know, does, even if it has better prize support, does that mean that it's a premier tournament? I don't know. One per state would make me super excited because Perth is to <laughs> yeah. Australia, what Australia is to global. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing rolls the same. <laughs> Hey, I also, so, um, when they yeah. announced this Hadamoto thing, just to touch on it one last time, um, I did some maths, and if to go undefeated in one of these events, everyone knows it's incredibly difficult, and usually only the best players can do it. But even if you're one of the best players in in the event, it's you're still going to find it very difficult to to have an undefeated record. And for example, if you have an eighty percent win rate over the field meaning that you'll win 8 out of 10 games against an average opponent in that field. Like, say at Worlds, right? If you have an 80% win rate against the field, you're one of the elite players because that field was killer, yeah? If mm. you have an 80% win rate, you have a 26% chance of going undefeated playing six rounds. That's still pretty so, good. I mean, but, like, you, it, it's it's just so insane to me that they don't have a cut. Well, it's, 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 like a, it's like sudden death again. Like I agree. I agree. But I think... So, again, being the apologist here... Um, <laughs> what it will do so I think that this year there was a lot of Hadamotos it was a bit confetti right but which is cool in my opinion I like the idea of there being a bunch I like the idea of playing the underdog clan and have something to fight for right and I also like the idea that you know in the last few sort of cycles of meta where maybe like you know, Scorpion, previously Crab, and 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 Dragon have been sort of ascendant. That if you wanna if you wanna play Dragon, if you wanna play Scorpion, and you want Hadamoto on those clans, it means something because there's a lot of good players playing those top clans that it's harder to fight for. The Unicorn Clan Hadamoto, until recently they haven't been very competitive, but you know, it didn't mean as much from a competitive standpoint, but it still meant something, right? Because it's like I was the best unicorn player. Which is which is cool, 
Um, it's like a bit of a clan loyalty thing for competitive yeah. players, I guess. Like, yeah. even though I want to be competitive, I don't have to dragon crane but, scorpion. I can play unicorn and still get something awesome. Which, but aren't yeah. they aren't they doing away with a bit of that? Well, they are now. So now, I think the point of it is right. There's going to be very very few 2019 Hadamotos, right? It's cut right back. There's fuck all Hadamotos, right? There'll probably be more more grand cote winners than hatamotos maybe who knows <laughs> but like um it's possible you can win a grand cote and not be hatamoto by the way just let that sink in um but that's insane yeah that's it just... is insane but what it means is right that if you are a hatamoto that means a 2019 hatamoto as opposed to a 2018 hatamoto you're a sick puppy you're an amazing player so um i guess the flip side is that that title means more i think it's shitty for the community because i like the idea of everyone kind of having another goal to reach for etc but in terms of the elite factor like a hatamoto in 2019 is a serious serious thing to do that is a real achievement like that's Pretty prestigious hard. i suppose if you do get it in that time do the existing haramos expire no, they last two years, and so two people years. can just people will be clinging on, which all, I guess that does kind of, in a way, encourage clan loyalty. Oh, if you man. want to keep your title, you got to got to keep look, playing it. <laughs> look, scrub players like me, man, I'm I'm holding on to my Hatamoto mat. I'm not letting that shit go. I'm not not playing any other clan at any premier events. I'm not giving that shit up. <laughs> I, I technically am a. I still hold both Hatamoto titles for Lion and Scorpion. Oh, because um, you registered under two names. Two names, yeah. <laughs> Suck that FFG. Yeah, it's good to be a dual citizen, right? Dude, <laughs> it's so good. I'm a privileged yeah. mofo. Yeah, right. Um, hey, so, can, I, yeah. can I just add a tiny, tiny bit of math to the end of this conversation? Yeah, um, I love math. So if you're doing six rounds, so it's a regular Kote, you're doing six rounds on your mm-hmm. only day. Um, if you have 64 or less players at your event, only one person will be at 6 and 0. That's what I'm saying. That is elite as fucking she. Like, that's That's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 also possible that no one goes undefeated. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's the point. There could be two five ones, right? That's right. Well, hang on. You could have a a a kotai when no one gets crowned. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure about that. But the other thing to consider is that it's 52 points, which means you can go four full wins and two mod wins and still get a Hatamoto title. So I guess oh, there yeah. is a tiny bit of little wiggle room there. Oh, but it kind of feels like, yeah, it does feel super elite. 64 players minimum to get more than one 6-0 and yeah. in six rounds. Yeah, that's intense. Okay, so oh. speaking of like prestigious events, I hear there is an ultra-hardcore um, West Australian event happening. Is it this weekend, Nathan? Tomorrow. Mate, are you prepared? Um, well, I've got the the old the pig carcass out the back, and I've been giving that a workout. Been <laughs> smashing yeah. on, punching it out every other day. In slow motion, to do, we are the champions. Do you, do you want to tell us about the ultra premier event that's happening in WA tomorrow? The ultra premier event tomorrow in WA is a single core event with new roles and the existing restricted list, um, and it's it's going to be rough. <laughs> 30, wait, 30, wait. 30 cards. Wait, you've got a restricted list for a single core environment. (laughs) Just because you can't handle that pace, you you need your crutch cards in your single core event. 
Dude, I love it. Unnecessary. Yeah. No, we're running this still because no, I mean, I really the whole thing is for people who maybe started the game and went too hard. I'm out. Um, and have maybe got one core and they want to give it a burn and see what the game is like with people who know how to play and haven't maybe had that opportunity. Um, and particularly when you're running single core and 30-30 cards, I figured if someone was to play Phoenix and just run like as many of those restricted cards as they could, it'd just really roll all those people. It'd be pretty rough and hard going. And I don't, we didn't really want yeah. that, that hyper competitive thing. That's why we just kept the restricted list in. Um, and keeping the the new roles as well on that, which means we haven't played anything core, whether it be single or full core, um, with those new roles yet. So it's going to be a little bit different for the old people as well to go back with new roles and see what you can do with those things in that environment. Um, but I'm really keen. We got we've already got probably half the potential attendees or the the sworn attendees at this point are, are all people that aren't our regulars, which is really cool. So we've That's got awesome. sort of That's really good six, idea. seven, eight people of the sixteen, and that's just the ones. I think that we've spoken about so far. So there may be others as well. People I don't know. That have just you want to shout out? Is, is it worth shouting out the game store that uh, is hosting it? Oh, yeah, it's good old Good Games in Cannington, Western Australia. And they're, Cannington, they're putting maybe. this one on. Yep, is no, that, they're, they're good right in the center there. Is that on the Albany um, Highway? Got, um, yeah, that's the one. Oh, no, no, they're, they're a little bit off that now. But yes, they've, they've moved since you lived here a thousand years ago. But yeah, um, yeah no, they're, they're a really solid store. The, um, there's actually like a, a triumvirate of stores over here being Stratagem in the north, Good Games Cannington, and very recently Good Games in Rockingham down south, um, who have all started communicating with each other about when to host their events. So they sort of stagger them out for the community and basically the stores are all sort of working together to get like this L5R scene sort of ticking over fantastic. for us, even though we're small. Um, and we're only a tiny community, so getting people in is actually quite difficult. Um, it's just because a lot of us don't have a lot of time to, to trek around. But um, but yeah, no, the stores are, are really going really, really well. And um, it's a really fun game. We've got some old people coming back, which is great. We had a few old ones last time. And still new people. Like every tournament we have, which is probably two a, one or two a month, probably one every three weeks at an average, um, we have probably at least one new face every time. And that's, that's huge, consistent. Man. So it's good. Um, I and, think that that one one every two three four weeks is probably ideal in terms of keeping people interested and i think it's a really good good separation between the events i feel it feels like sometimes here in melbourne like there are just too many on in a month and so people people just pick the one they can attend best like this weekend we've got two right we've got yeah it's crazy the tournament on the saturday and sunday and there's a few sickos that will go to both but like well that that's why um mark who's the the owner manager guy in stratagem up north into the northern store here he um he's the guy that said oh look we don't want to smash everybody with events so i'm going to create this calendar contact the other stores and we'll get some organization going on and and sort of so That's everyone great. have an even spread which which suburb is stratagem in stratagem is in warwick it's pretty warwick. Good. it's an amazing that's it's so an amazing, regional like for, for all the listeners out there i wonder how many listeners do you think that we have that live in warwick just, or, just, uh, just Nathan. Nathan does not live in Warwick. <laughs> Man, you have Warwick no on. idea of West Australian geography, do you? But I am, I'm not dude, that highbrow. I, I have never been, and I probably never will go. Let me uh, be honest. Unless so there's a Cote there, right? <laughs> if there's well, a Cote in Perth, I'll wait, be wait, there. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. On. Unless will you get a tattoo of West Australia on your butt? That's the question. <laughs> if they, if they put a Grand Cote in Perth, then. Yes. <laughs> Now listen, Bert. This is the third time that you have promised and potentially might not deliver. You're gonna have no skin left. 
aren't you supposed to eat some cards and you know yeah other things? i never i never gave time frame on that you know you guys <laughs> you guys didn't you needed to be more sticklers with with uh with you know, my conditions about those claims <laughs> all right hey, i i wanted to just couple shout out a few things here Toradori, did you receive like some amazing present in the mail yes i did do you want to talk um, about it yeah so when we were doing the australia v france league um i was interfacing with this guy Chupi. Uh, that's his discord handle um i've got his first name here one sec let me that's find a, that is that's a legit french name Chupi. speaking of which when is that going to start i'm ready to like take some french scalps <laughs> That was like two is, seasons yeah. ago, right? Uh, the, the problem was at this. It's basically, as soon as we were going to do that, it was school holidays in France, and then the World Cup happened as well. It was just bad January. Timing, I think we got a time. It, I reckon like sort of mid to late January, maybe. Anyway, yeah, but another... but Chupi, um, because my name is taken from a clan from from Vampire the Masquerade. Nerd. Um, <laughs> Um, he made he, he recognized it and he made me a Toreador themed dial and he mailed it to me like he asked for my address like months ago and I'm, I just gave it to him because I don't know and he, he mailed it to me and it came and it's fucking amazing it's like so, to, hell, to hell with Gen Con dials and Kote dials I'll, I'll I'll never, Vampire the Masquerade <laughs> dial dude I will never use another one honestly it's so cool And you have a signature just, dial now and it's just out of the blue like I didn't ask I didn't ask for him to to make me one and do it so what i'm hearing out. is french people are awesome yeah i mean we met we met shoot at at worlds he was cool shoot was super shoot cool. was awesome yeah he was yeah. a cool dude he's into some cool music as well he recently recommended me a track which was um on arthas from world of warcraft it was like a sick like european <laughs> metal band just singing like just screaming about arthas it was the frozen throne those man those old War warcraft campaigns had such great storylines warcraft 3 one of the worst games ever made but it had two amazing things going for it one you shut your mouth i <laughs> <laughs> had two great things going for it one was the cinematics of that game were phenomenal like that after story that was just the lich king frozen throne phenomenal right and then the second thing was obviously like dota like the add-on the custom games the stuff the that Blizzard did you do. Created games, yeah. Yeah, like Dota was obviously the map editor for that was so comprehensive for the time that so many amazing mods sprung up out of that. And then Activision bought Blizzard and all went downhill. But like when they were their own company, like StarCraft, the maps, Warcraft, the maps, it was oh, man. Yeah, Activision really toileted Blizzard, didn't they? Because they bought them after WoW first got big, right? And then they fired all the original designers of world yeah. of warcraft if my That's memory what, serves me correct they do and they're just turning it into like a like a mobile app like microtransactions farming company now but anyway yeah man you can diablo you, on the mobile device android diablo it's gonna be <laughs> it was great. Hyped about diablo immortals yeah <laughs> ben and i were in hollywood when blizzcon was going on and he was like <laughs> he, he was like checking his scroll because it was like four or five days blizzcon yeah and every day was sold out we thought about going we're like no nah, like secondhand tickets are going to cost us hundreds of dollars like fuck that but the big diablo announcement was the oh. fucking mobile game the microtransaction <laughs> mobile game fuck oh, you man. <laughs> so embarrassing it's just embarrassing it but is. you get everyone there you get you get you know you have ten thousand fans all into the one big event hall 
and you have like a keynote speech like Apple does and you have this big screen and you say, yeah, we're bringing you a mobile game. I, I think, was it Wyatt Chen? I don't know who it was, but like the poor dude who like, he knew like Diablo on the mobile. Before he went on stage, he's like, oh shit. Like, was, he kind of, was he kind of pre-embarrassed? I think he was. Like if you, you can go <laughs> on YouTube and like watch the video and he could tell when he first announces it, he's like, and we today are going to bring to you Diablo. And, like, has a dramatic pause on the mobile. You know, and it's like, no. The that's crowd aimed, was down. That's aimed at, like, catching Chinese whale customers, right? Correct. Cause I, yeah, because in yeah. China, those mobile games, people just spend... So it's the know. reskin... So NetEase are the Chinese company. It's a reskin of an existing NetEase game. So, like, it's, it's just, like, people have to realize that Blizzard's... Yeah. It's anyway, we should yeah, probably stop. Have you guys heard about um Legend of the Five Rings though? Yeah, There's I was just thinking um, we've, we've kind of cost, gone on a mad, mad some podcasts out there about it. I heard maybe we should start one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's get off that topic. Um, okay. So new exciting stuff. There were some previews. Should we talk about previews? We can definitely yeah, have a go yes. at talking about previews. All right, new unicorn stronghold. Let's start with that. That's the big exciting thing. Let's lead. Ooh, yeah. With the new... All right. Now, very controversial. Some people think this stronghold is broken, and other people think that it's <laughs> just wallpaper. <laughs> what is the stronghold? Is it good? Is it shit? Let me hear it. Well, look, there's all those people out there that think this stronghold is garbage, and I think once they put their crack pipes down, they'll probably realize it's busted as shit. Like after turn after turn one, you can be on ten fate every turn just as a bonus, and that's not hard to do. Like it's pretty like it's it's not that difficult really with all the unicorn stuff. It's mental. Should we read the stronghold? Yeah, let's read it out. What do you mean read it? Wait, wait, come on, very quickly before. Oh yeah, okay, do that, and then I'll interject because you know it lets you play chasing the sun. Go, Mills. Go, mate. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Excuse me. Shiro Shinjo is a stronghold with plus one stronghold strength. It is a castle. It has a reaction. After you collect fate during the dynasty phase, choose an opponent and bow this stronghold. Gain one fate for each face-up non-stronghold province controlled by that player. It has 10 starting honor, gets you plus six fates during the collect fate step normally, and has 10 influence. Right. So, first turn, you're like, this is shit. I get one less fate than everyone. I'm down in the dumps. I'm really sad about life. It all sucks. <laughs> and then, like, you use this other other dude. What's his name? Aichi Daru. Daru. Yeah. No, who's the who's the dude that like flips up? Isn't there some new guy who flips up provinces? Oh, oh it's the fast. It's the Farseer. Aichi Farseer. Who's that? Yeah, she's like a shug, and after this character in his play, choose an opponent's face down province, reveal that shit. So you play her first turn, <laughs> you flip up two other provinces by using a core concept in the game, which is called declaring a conflict. So you've got... It seems hard not to have three provinces flipped up on turn one, unless you're can a spanner. Can I throw down then, if you're chasing the sun, you can flick to another province during that conflict, and yeah. if they attack... If they attack you, you then keeper them into your um, the holding <laughs> the that they have, and you flip the fourth. All right. So, so 
What the so hell? Yes, it, you can throw that down. So, so it feels like on average you'll have three provinces flipped on turn one. Sometimes you'll have four, oh, but let's on be... average, you guys are fucking drinking Kool Aid. Wait, wait. <laughs> so you've got guaranteed two because you have two people that you bring out, right? So okay, maybe. So, so in this hypothetical deck using the new box, we're talking ten conflict characters, right? To to maximize. Sure. chances of flipping well yeah. you play i don't know about 10 but probably seven or eight yeah i mean he's got a point because unicorn don't have many small people i don't know i think you get <laughs> some some interesting conflict characters I so if you go seek you've got seek akami which is kind of good you've got goblin sneak which is good yuchi wayfinder is really good there's nine yeah. already if you really want to oh. go all yeah. out so look this is a this is a from turn two onwards unless you're playing like a dickhead it's a nine fate stronghold right like and so, I mean, I f think Fate's good, but I know Bert's pretty angry at Fate. He fucking hates Fate, apparently. <laughs> You're just really down on this stronghold. You just hate Fate. You could probably you? say that <laughs> on, on, the, on the inside, Bert is burning with 15 fires. Yeah, I'm a very salty man. Why do you hate Fate so much, Bert? I, I don't hate Fate, and I, I this stronghold might be very strong. I'm just not too sure. I think... I think this there's this widespread assumption that it's going to be very very strong. I don't think I don't think that's warranted just yet. One thing that I do think is cool is that it's the first um, economy based stronghold to do with fate rather than honor or card advantage. So, from so your perspective, are economy strongholds traditionally shit? Well, the other two in the game are both the best two in the game. Yes. Yeah. So, so I don't know why you're so down on this stronghold, man. No. Well, all right. Can, can I just say? My reaction was lukewarm, and so was Johnny Shen's, and that guy is the expert in fate management and fate investment. Okay? <laughs> He's the resident investment banker. Because for <laughs> Johnny Shen, wasn't Scorpion. Getting, an ex getting 10 fate a turn doesn't matter when you already have 30. Right? <laughs> basically how he plays. According, it's to, according to Shen, if he has 30 fate, it's your fault. <laughs> you let him have 30 fate, mate. <laughs> I think... Um, what what could come out of this which could be cool is that it might open up a bit of a new deck archetype because you're going to have like tempo based unicorn using hmt trying to break and put pressure on and then this new stronghold to me looks a bit like a control stronghold because you use your weenies your chuds that you, you don't fate turn one to flip provinces over it's just what scorpion does and then late game you have a fate edge and then you use that fate edge to take over the game which is just what fucking scorpion does right so yeah. in my eyes it might open up a new archetype because all you need to do really is to not have your stronghold broken in the three or four turns if you can get the game to five or six turns then you're probably going to win i feel like though, having 10 fate a turn is going to probably help you get there yeah i kind of disagree i think this is an aggro stronghold it's not a super like turn one aggro but it's uh like mounting pressure kind of thing so you've got a few fate on turn one you need to get some guys out and flip some strongholds and not die fair enough and then on turn two you bring in three people out on dynasty and then four and then force of the river and then you know it's just this mounting uh army from the the unicorn I, so i think it's aggressive yeah it's like i i mostly agree with Merlin. i think the idea is that you sacrifice a bit of tempo on turn one so your game plan on turn one, you just flip shit. You're a flipper. 
that's what you're doing. You're like one of those like you're like someone who's in their mid forties who just loves renovations, buying houses, flipping them. Right? You're just flipping provinces. <laughs> how right? did you not sufferable fuckers? I was I was thinking flipping Sim- burgers. You know, like... Simkov. How did you not get to Shane Warne at that point? <laughs> the flippers. That is true. You're you are. You know what? You might this unicorn deck might be dubbed Shane Warne. And what I love about dubbing the unide- unicorn deck Shane Warne is it means that our English listeners, UK listeners, they know what we're talking about. The Australian listeners, they know what they're talking about. And our, our Delhi, Indian listeners. Yeah, Delhi yeah. and Calcutta listeners. And we've got listeners from Delhi. I'm aware of that. Um, shout out. Shout out to those guys. Um, or girls. <laughs> uh, they know what we're talking about. But, but some of our United States listeners may not be aware of the magnificence of Sleazebag Shame One. The, one of the oh, yes. Neil, and Neil would know because he's a uh, cricket oh, mate, mate, Are, they, are is... they aware of cricket? I don't know. I they don't think know. it's like rounders. The Comment down below if you know what cricket, cricket is. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to American people who understand the greatest sport on earth. Can I just make the case about this stronghold for a little less of a fervent reaction? Because the community has basically come out and said it's it's really strong or bordering on OP, right? It's good. Turn one, turn one, you are at a fate disadvantage. Yep. Um, but you still should be able to flip two most of the time, assuming you build your deck a certain way. Now, building your deck that certain way may make it less efficient than, say, their current like deck, right? They don't really want to be playing 10 conflict characters. They might have to because you've got such great attachments and events. It's, it's you're going, Something has got to give, so you're going to give up a little bit of inefficiency. Um, also you're going to be defending less in the first two turns. You, you really need to flip... Uh, in the uh, first uh, turn, problems. I would agree with you. I don't know about turn, turn two. two. But I think turn one, you're definitely defending less and you're giving up. You're giving up. You might lose a province turn one, for sure. And you're also you're also um, giving your opponent all their province effects. When revealed effects, they're repeatable effects, which do count, and some of them award fate. And so every time you give them a fate that way, it kind of equalizes a bit of, of the fate lead you're getting. Also, your stronghold is effectively blank, apart from this economic edge that you're supposed to get um, throughout the game. And so my question to you guys listening would be, how much is a scorpion box trigger per turn worth to you in fate? So what and I if, would the game say... lasts, if the game lasts only three or four turns, does, does this new unicorn stronghold give you enough? And if it doesn't, I mean does an hmt trigger each turn give you more and i'm I'm not convinced that it does give you more but i'm excited to see it and i might be wrong but i'm i'm just a little more hesitant to call it super strong my thought is if that box basically reads bow gain two fate feels good i i get it i get where you're coming from i get that there's like it's not it's not an auto win sort of deck like and you know stronghold shouldn't be that op right you know city of the open hand is probably a bit too good but like i think the point of it is that it gives you this canvas where you can now paint a new sort of deck right and i think there's going to be a lot of fun in figuring out how to get the best use out of this thing and i think there's going to be some initial archetypes that are all about like chasing the sun you know and that new wayfinder and just about flipping all provinces as quickly as possible and Maybe that's efficient. Maybe it's not. Um, and I think in time we'll see some experimentation. And I reckon, you know, I reckon about 
a month or two after the unicorn pack hits there's going to be an extremely broken deck with this thing out but it's going to i agree that like you know we always overreact everyone when they see a new card they were like that's the best thing that's ever happened i can't believe ffg printed this or yeah i'll, I'll raise my play. hand my response to spreading the darkness was clearly incorrect um in hindsight <laughs> cool right I, 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 do, I just think i just think yeah the the most exciting part about this for me is is the prospect of an entirely new archetype yeah yeah, and I think yeah, it'll be control. I, I'm guessing it'll be not not necessarily control in terms of the maybe more like a long range is a better word to use. So a deck that flips early and defends and then late game uses the fate. That's what I'm thinking. But who knows? It's exciting. Uh, the new the prospect of any new type of deck to be able to build, like a new archetype is fantastic and I really enjoy that. The other thing that makes me just a teensy bit salty about this is a third province for Unicorn. Before <laughs> yeah. we've seen a second for some of the other clans. That grinds me a touch. Yeah, those poor crane suckers, right? Just still on that one blank stronghold. Well, they're going to get theirs the very next month. They're crane stronghold's soon. amazing. <laughs> well, make, it, make, maybe the next it, month, right? Well, what, does it do? what does it automati do? Automatically makes you immune to a political poke every turn. <laughs> well, if you've got the political favor, that's not true, right? Why not? Because if your dude's bad, you still got one political force. But but you've got the favor because you've got this amazing stronghold and stopped their poke, so they never got the ring. So you kept it every turn. I love the West Australian meta. You know what, Eric? Eric won the world championship with a blank stronghold and no guest of honor. So I think Crane are fine. Yep, mic drop. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> but is that a mic drop for Crane or a mic drop for Eric? <laughs> um, mic drop old. for Western Australia, mate. So I know we're like we're like fifty minutes in at this point here, but has anyone <laughs> been playing L five R recently? Uh, yeah, the Discord actually... League. Yeah, how's that going for you, Merlin? Discord League. How are you doing? All right. I'm not doing too terribly. I think last time we spoke, I said that I wasn't really sure what I was going to do against Dragon in the end. I decided to just play enough things to make them trigger their reprieves and things of Jade so that I didn't have to worry about them. And it seemed to work out. So, Are you finding Oracle of Void? Is that still the thing you're doing? You're... Like uh, no, 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 no. So ah. this 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 deck that I played, I've actually got three decks going on at the moment. I've got a monk, you know, fist of fury type of deck, and I've got the oracle of stone deck you out type of deck, and then I've got the crane splash. Please, please, please don't knob sack my characters, and I'll I'll knob sack yours. If you get a knob sack off with Fushicho, it feels so good, so good. <laughs> Fushicho, Fushicho yeah. on the bridge, just like staring down the, the dark night. Dude, you charge, you charge him in. You charge him in. So the the deck is old box Phoenix with Taru GI uh, and charge as your restricted pick. So you charge in Fushicho, and then you duel with one of your uh, Shigenja that has been pumped by the box. You win. You ring of fire Fushicho, and then you knob sack uh, something, anything. <laughs> Oh, see, I used to do something similar, but I'd feed Fushisho to my stoic gun suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that <laughs> <one's so good. laughs> I love oh, it. Feed Fushisho to your stoic gun suit. I love it. Love yeah, it. and then you get your Tadaka out of the dead box mid-conflict, mm -hmm. and you get him for and an then, extra turn. 
And then you attack with it. <laughs> it's fucked. <laughs> so against against dragon, it's like uh, you know you box their guy so they pop finger of jade, or you knob sack them, or you, you do you do you do you just target their guys with stuff. And they run out of guys. I've what? been um yeah. I haven't actually played much L five R this last week. I've been playing the shit out of Magic the Gathering Arena and also a bit of Artifact. Um, mainly because. Jesus. I was experiencing like just a little bit of post worlds. Um, it's kind of it's kind of weird because we're in a bit of a lame duck meta. I'm enjoying playing the jank, but I'd, I'd played a shitload of L5R, even post worlds, and I was like looking for something to do. So I played Magic the Gathering and uh, Artifact, and I have to say both of those games have had a lot of fun, but the things that are bad about both of those games aren't present in L5R, at least not to the degree that they are in those games. And it makes me feel very grateful for the game we have. It is it is just head and shoulders above any of those games. So for the the non traders out there, what are the advantages of L five R over those other? Well, I in my first ten games playing Magic the Gathering Arena, um, I got land fucked to the point where I think one game I had one land for like four turns, and then another game in the first ten I had two land, which is a problem that's been in magic since the start and will never get fixed because it's ingrained in the in the game now but it is a big problem and it makes the game pretty fucking horrible when it happens it's like the biggest npa you can have and that just doesn't happen in l5r because of the the static economy and um the other thing is just the mulligan rules like l5r mulligans are way more forgiving mm, um it's true there's just and then just the, the actual play experience like those games are designed to be quick and a lot of the time it feels really rock, paper, scissors-y. Um, I think Artifact is a little, it's much deeper than Magic, though, But um, with even with the small card pool. But um, but yeah, they're, they're fun, like like little short-term games. But if you... L5R's just got a very, very deep, deep strategy. And also the framework is just so, so um, well put together. I think it's just yeah. years of making these LCGs because Game of Thrones had these awesome, elegant design pieces that L5R has adopted some of, and they keep learning with every game they make. And I'm just, it just reminded me of how good L5R is, um, to think, be honest. I think looking at the previews that we've seen, we haven't gone into great detail about them. The previews that we've seen is, you know, Tyler's looking at creating these new vectors for different clans. And so like, you know, when you're playing Unicorn, you know, with this now flip up your provinces and there's a bunch of like cards which rely around how many cards are flipped up. It's like there's new there's identities for each of these clans. The game is very deep, like its fundamentals are just way stronger because it's built on the back of obviously magic if you go far enough back in the heritage, but also like, you know, there's elements from Conquest, there's elements from the Agog like card game, there's elements from old L five bar. There's so yeah, much and it- they've been able to learn from those previous games and then bring that stuff in here. Yeah, and I think when when you guys hear me complain or hear members of the community complain about FFG or L5R, it's because we care. And I ha- I would have far more complaints if my main game was Magic, trust me. Um, but yeah, it is, it is because we care. So, I mean, we always want the game to do well. Um, and so, you know, you can get salty here and there about it. But, but um, I think overall, it's the best card game I've ever played, for sure. You know, I was um, I was chatting with Mark Biffin, who owns Top Deck Games, um, and we were talking about like 
why you know how do we build a bit more of a community or how do we get new players in and things like that what do you guys think of l5r as a game for people looking to enter this the card gaming arena i think i've found it difficult yeah i think it's the tough thing is right it's a brilliant game but it's very hard for somebody's first game right like i think that maybe the fact that Keyforge exists is a good thing because Keyforge might be the game that gets people into card games and then you can kind of make that's like the bridge it's like the gateway it's like Keyforge is the settlers of Catan you know for for, for competitive card games um, and I think Keyforge is like yeah. marijuana and L5R is heroin yeah like <laughs> yeah. you can't you got to build your way up to heroin right you can't be a junkie <laughs> until you've you know had a few cones and and look, I yeah, think that... that never happens. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, but Glenn, uh, locally here, and Chris. Chris is kind of like the new player whisperer. I kind of I, I think of him as the uh, <laughs> Melbourne Shepherd. He's the Shepherd of five, Shepherd Fiver. Um, I went to, last Thursday. They've organised this sort of like uh, resurgence of Ringwood. Ringwood's been reborn. There's uh, Next Level Games out of Ringwood is another one of those great Melbourne gaming stores, regional Melbourne gaming stores. Um, and, you know, we've got a few new players in there and there was a guy who's familiar with the L5R settings, played a few card games in his life, um, but was, you know, certainly not the not the um, diehard, sad, sad, no-lifers we are. Um, and it was interesting, you know, I played a game with him teaching him the game. And it was interesting kind of seeing, you know, like, oh, shit. Like, it actually takes a lot of time to appreciate this game, learn all the concepts, and get to the point where you're very comfortable with it. Uh, can I say, I think um, the reason L5R is such an amazing, strategic, competitive game is the same thing that makes it hard for new people. It's because when you have a really solid deck and a really good knowledge of the game and how to play and what to do, you will win not just win but win decisively every single time in a competitive environment and yeah. then if you're someone news come along you've got a few sets not all of them and you have a crack and you get steamrolled every time that's a bad experience because you have no chance right and then you feel maybe i've got to get all the cards is the first thing people are going to go to you know get play get play a few more games get all the good cards make a perfect deck then have a crack and that's a monstrous investment for something that you're not having a good time out of whereas games like like magic the the land thing may suck right but if you're playing like the best opponent there is and he just draws nothing but land for six turns you're going to have a win and now and then you're going to get that luck whereas that can technically happen in l5r but it's far less common yeah that's true and i think win rates in magic the gathering even at the, like the highest level guys are like getting maybe pushing 60 percent like Hearthstone's the same, right? It's 55, 60%. Um, in L5R, I think there are some players who have like 90% win rates, um, to be honest. I think there are some out there who can get that high. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think it's just, it is a game that you have to love the art, I think. You have to love the lore. So if you're not a weeb, it's probably not the game for you. Um, can I throw, also, I think, sorry, one of the best ahead. ways to get people into the game um, for a lot of the larger gaming community, if you really want to get people into L5R, the card game, is get them stuck into the RPG. Because that's a cool game. 
it brings people into the law, they get interested, and then you drag them into the card game, and then you pin them down. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I got the, indoctrinated them. Yeah, I got the um, the core rulebook when I was over at uh, Minnesota in in Roseville there at the FFG Game Center, and the artwork is glorious. And look, I know, like, if you go on the nerd forums and stuff, people are gonna be like. They missed out this word, and they misprinted this, and they got this specific piece of law wrong. Shut the fuck up. Like, it's a really, really good book. And it's, you know what? There's a few edits that are probably, probably could have been a bit more effort in the editing department. But, like, it is, on the whole, an amazing product. And if you're a nerd and you read this book, you will feel the love of this game. And it will draw you in, it will suck you in. And you'll stop spending time with your wife. You'll start spending time with, like, images of Boyushi Kachiko and Boyushi Shouju. And you just you just won't leave. <laughs> it's too good. It's too good. I it's think, such an amazing IP. I think the other thing with, with getting players in, I think we have to be honest about what the game is. And so yep. telling someone who's at a Keyforge night, oh, you should come play L5R. It's, it's like Keyforge, but better. That's just a lie. Like the game is very complex, and so I think selling it on its strengths, but also being being real about what it is, it, it is it's not a casual game. It really it isn't great for casual players. Let's be honest. No, but qualify it, yeah. I think that's true, right? And there's some people who might be playing keyboards or whatever, and they are they're strategic card game players. They've just never had the opportunity, right? So you tell them, hey, this is this is the real shit, right? Like, yeah, because that's what happened to me when I first started playing card games. I was a teenager playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. And I, I picked up you an L5R better. starter. And I, immediate, I immediately, after my first game, sold all my Yu-Gi-Oh cards. At 13 <laughs> years old. I was like, fuck this game. I yeah. can't believe I was wasting my time on this, you know? Yeah, brilliant. But, but that, not everyone's like that. And so we have to be honest with people and say, listen, this game, the rewards, the highs are going to be a lot higher. But it's going to take, you know, it does take an investment. You've got to enjoy sitting there for an hour and, and you know battling see i really enjoy brutal beatings i love getting destroyed because i feel like <laughs> in the games where i'm getting absolutely flogged it's like it's highlighting either inefficiencies in my play style inefficiencies in my deck but like i'm learning and i actually really enjoy getting flogged because it means i'm learning something and it means i immediately then want to go and tweak my deck you know like think hard about you know life the universe and everything you know is is it just that i'm a scrub and i'll never win you know and think about different ways i could have played a particular conflict you know i love you know i'm a sequence nerd i love thinking about the sequence that cards are played i love thinking about the sequence of conflicts and you know trying to think think in the bigger picture so i love getting beaten because that means someone's done it better than me and i think that's what this game's great about but it's not like if you're one of those board game players who's like, I fucking love Settlers of Catan. Settlers of Catan is the shit. Like, L5R is just not the game for you, right? Like, and I think that's important. Hey, Ben, speaking of, like, sequencing and brilliant little game, no, conflict yeah. games and stuff, how, how amazing yeah. was that Dynasty phase that we played recently? Uh, which one was this to remind me? The one where we were both doing cantrip actions to try and prevent each other from turning turning uh, the stronghold on <laughs> in the scorpion mirror. <laughs> uh, so i had three cards in my hand three cards but it's on four honor we're in dynasty phase right and i'm also on um 
You were on three on it. I'm on three on it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so what I needed to do is I need to be able to use. Oh, you're on three on it. I need to be able to use my box, and and not let Bert use his box, right? So I'm just taking like shitty random actions, stuff out of my hand, just doing whatever I possibly can to get Bert to take a pass. I just need him to pass the dynasty phase. Bert gets six actions in and he is wasting resources like he's playing extremely inefficiently and the only reason he's doing that is because he must believe that the three cards in my hand and I've still got like 25 cards left in my conflict deck the only reason he's doing this because he's soul read me and he thinks the only three cards in my hand are back like a backhanded compliments which they were (laughs) (laughs) so it was it was you were Phil Hellmouth, right? You were just white magic. You know, you knew Dodge what was bullets, going on. Baby. <laughs> you're, you're dodging bullets, baby. Dodging bullets. That's it, like that was a beautiful part of of that game. It's something that's never happened to me before. <laughs> and it, like that has never happened to me. But as soon as I saw you, I think you bought a character. Oh, you, I, I didn't you need to. Like an illusionist or something, there or a younger no reason manga. for it. And I'm just like, man, Ben would never buy that here. <laughs> I was thinking in my head. Why is he buying that? Why is he buying that? Why is he... Uh, he wants to try and kill me. <laughs> it is, I think... I think, like, I was... And I also... I think I bought some character that was, like, a three-coster or something with no fate that I would never buy with no fate. Like, it was extremely inefficient dynasty phase action. But there's these really subtle things. That's probably Bert knowing me and the, my specific play style. Like, I fear that if you're in a tournament and you see an opponent do that, you go... Oh, that opponent's like a scrub, right? And that's like a a lesson that was learned very hard at Worlds for me as well. Like, don't disrespect opponents. Just because your opponent's like drooling on the table and has bad personal <laughs> hygiene and, you know, can has a barely, barely has a command of the English language. Some of those people, the reason why they can't speak properly and they've got really bad hygiene is because every second of their life is spent figuring out how to be good at L5R, right? <laughs> so you just got to be careful. Like, and now what I do is if I can smell someone before I see them, I respect the shit out of them at the table. Because I'm but like... That's the man, smell of fear, mate. That's what is, that man. is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, man, you have spent that time where a normal human would shower figuring out, like, some really obscure spots in L5R. You're, like, rain-manning that shit in the shit... Because you never get to the shower, you're too busy rainman. You're like, oh, I'm going to be late to the tournament. I better put on this shirt that I haven't washed, you know. And yeah, yeah so don't, don't res- judge a book by its smell. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a great place. Well, we've been talking for a long time now, and I'm in danger of alienating too much <laughs> of the nerd community. I think. So, any any final thoughts before we bring this suck to a close? Uh, I just say good luck to everyone in the Grand Kotai, and I hope they get the same numbers they got last year, which was 220. Um, but I don't think that'll happen because, yeah, I mean, the game was new then, but yeah, it uh, should be a top quality event. There's a lot of great players going, so I'm excited to. I'll be keeping up whenever your, people post the low resolution photos of the pairings and stuff. I'll be watching. Who's your pick? Ooh, well, if Anil plays Dragon. Uh, Secret Void Dragon, he'd be one of the favorites, I imagine. Look, I uh, he'd be, Spectre, he'd be, Peter Spectre. I reckon Anil would be keen to 
not redeem himself, but like, because he, he did really well, obviously. He always was an amazing player, but he didn't get quite as high as I think he expected at Worlds. Um, he was at in like top 30, wasn't he, from memory? Yeah. Top, 60? I think Spectre... top 64, and that's an understatement. He went and and uh, drank, He I think he downed like four or five cocktails in a row. It was pretty <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, that's fantastic. The crane, the crane player Good on him. him. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, but, um, I remember I, talking to the crane player that beat him. He's like, that was that was his world. It's like he didn't care what happened after that. He's like, this was my achievement. This was amazing, and he had like the worlds of his life. But that says a lot about Anil's status as a player, right? Like oh, if you absolutely. can go to the worlds, you're not going to get anywhere near the top two or top eight even. But you beat Anil, and you're like, I'm done. This is amazing. Yeah. That says a lot <laughs> about the prestige of Anil. I'd probably take a massive win over Anil over like winning a local Cote or something, like hands down. Any- yeah. He he does have that sort of, it's like a Tyson esque effect. It's an aura. Um, yeah, he does. And I know when Ben and I were training in in our Hollywood bunker, doing doing the reps, um, that was our goal was to beat Anil's dragon deck. Like that, our deck was super leaned towards that matchup. Yeah. And so, but he that, that's what he does. He sets the benchmark for everyone to chase, which is it's nice to have that in the, and in the game. Back to Philly, I think um, Mr. Spectre. The man who wears the fedora and the sunglasses and he's too cool for school. Um, I think he's the defending champion for Philly, right? So I think last yep. year he he won. So I think he'll be he'll be going out. So I got a few picks, right? So so my main man Palumbo, who's a, a, just a sick boy scorpion player. Um, I feel like he's going to go super super deep. Big. I think I'm a big fan of Palumbo's playstyle, and I think he's going to do well. Uh, also, uh, Isomalt. I reckon Isomalt. Is he going? Is, man, yeah, he's there. He's gonna have. Oh, he's dude. gonna be on like three hours sleep. I think his flight got delayed because LA was raining. But like, man, he's he's in it. And I realize, I reckon he's gonna run deeper. He's like the dark horse of the tournament. You know. I, I got reckon... to play him at Worlds, and you know when you first sit down. I'd never played him before, even on the internet. Yeah. I believe. Um, you know when you sit down across from someone and right from the first turn you f- you can kind of feel the skill. Yeah. That's how I felt when I played him. I was like, "Whoa, okay, this guy knows how to- knows what he's doing." This is not going to be an easy. You don't game. always get that. You don't always get that straight away, but straight away I was like, "All right, he's on he's on the ball." But he might be a guest in our podcast in the coming weeks along with some of the other Portland guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's Those Portland guys are pretty damn cool. Merlin, you got any picks for Philly or any thoughts on maybe the meta, what it might look like? Any clans you're expecting to do better, do well? Um, I'm not entirely sure I do as far as like picks go because I'm uh, other than Palumbo, I don't really know who's going. So I guess I'll just cheer Palumbo on. Yeah, I think Crab with Fight on. I mean, that's going to boost them up the rankings a lot. I'm sure. That's true. Oh, yeah. I wonder if uh, Mosey's going. Mosey's going. Who knows? That'd be cool. I mean, that is another guy who's just incredibly skilled and very creative uh, deck builder. He's a sick player. Yeah. But yeah. I wonder. I wonder if Scorpion Seeker of Earth having such a good showing at Worlds. I wonder if you'll see a bunch of that. Keeper of Scorpion, Earth. Scorpion. Yeah. Keeper Sorry, of Earth. Keep, yeah. Keeper of Earth. My bad. Yeah. I mean, Palumbo uh, at Worlds played a Keeper of Earth deck with the Phoenix Splash. So. Who knows what he'll play at um, this one? But he did. He went. He ran extremely. He went five one on uh, day one, yep. which was super impressive. Like yeah, only losing to uh, to Anil. Yeah. yeah, that was really impressive. 
yeah, Inspector Man. That's like that's like Nathan, your namesake. You used to use Spectre as your like internet handle. I did. I've moved on to Butters now, thanks to Butters. Mr. J. Christoph. <laughs> Butters no. during our game, and I went, I'm keeping that. That's it. It's done. Dibs. You no, know, Spectre, I met him at Worlds, and I was in between rounds. I was having a chat to him. We were telling each other bad beat stories and stuff. And um, I didn't know what to expect because you see him on the stream, and he's got this kind of intimidating presence, you know, with he the does. glasses and he the hat. Does. He's actually really nice, nice dude. So shout out to Spectre. Good luck at, uh, at Billy's Wilmer. Cool. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, we'll make sure we do a bit of coverage for uh, Philly. I mean, we're nowhere near there, but we we wish everybody well who's participating in that event. And if you're listening to this on your break, you're at your hotel room, you probably had one or two too many drinks before you're supposed to go to sleep, and you're just trying to get to sleep and listening to us, man, just just turn off the podcast. I'm going to speak very slowly. And you should just slowly <laughs> fall into sleep. And tomorrow, you will win. You won't make any mistakes. You're not going to overextend. You're just going to do what your deck's going to do. You're going to do your game plan. You're not going to pull anything fancy. I believe in you. I believe in you. And uh, that's all from us. Until next time, we've been the Hidden City Rollers.